Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth. Somebody say on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he said pray that the atmosphere of heaven would begin to affect the atmosphere of earth. That the earth would begin to look a lot more like heaven. When Jesus said to pray, he's not saying waste your breath. He's saying pray this way because this is how I move. Give access to what's in heaven through your prayer so that it begins to affect the place of earth. On earth as it is in heaven. It's not just for one day. I'll get to heaven, but God, because of Jesus, brings heaven to earth through prayer. That's what begins to happen. Teach us to pray. When you pray, say this. So he showed them that the intent of heaven was to actually change the reality of earth. It's not just for us to get to heaven one day, but it's actually that heaven comes inside of us and heaven begins to shift and transform the world around us. So when we say pray, we're not just saying pray that your life will be a little better. Pray that you'll be protected and be able to get to heaven one day. We're saying pray so that you begin to shift the atmosphere of your life. You begin to shift the direction of your life. You begin to turn places where you've been stolen into places of advantage in your life. But we often don't see heaven on earth. Too often, all too often, we see hell on earth. In the global arena, we see wars and rumors of wars in our city. More people, they thought 2017 was bad, but 2018 in Metro Vancouver was even worse for overdose deaths. We don't have an answer for it in the natural. See family breakups. We might have seen in your family all kinds of crazy things that have happened where the thief has had access. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not a victim of the thief. You don't have to be a victim of the thief. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Pray that heaven will become more real in earth. In places where there's hate, that there will be love. In places where there's anxiety, that there will be courage. In places where there's distrust, that there will be trust. In places where there is injustice, there will be justice. In places where there's people hungry, there will be people fed. On earth as it is in heaven. It's meant to touch earth. Heaven is meant to touch earth. And prayer is the conduit to bring heaven to earth. Jesus said, didn't say when you pray do. He said when you pray say. In other words, what you say in your prayer affects what happens on earth. And somehow we have to begin to understand that. That heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Then Jesus, so how does this happen, Jesus? How can we see on earth as it is in heaven? How do we push back the thief and experience not steal, kill, and destroy, but begin to experience what you say, Jesus, life to the full. Life, and that's not life like your physical body life. It's not your biology or bios. It's not your life in your mind only, but it's actually the word zoe, which means the life of God actually begins to flow in you and to flow through you and transform lives around you. That's what begins to happen. It's not just so that you can be a little healthier. It's actually so that God can transform you and use you to transform your world. That's the life of God that flows. And so here we come into a place where Jesus entered the temple 
and began to drive out all the people that were buying and selling animals for sacrifice. It was in the time when you had to present a sacrifice to God. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. A house of prayer or a den of thieves? Steal, kill, and destroy. Life to the full. No prayer. Steal, kill, and destroy. Prayer releases life and life to the full. So in this, the background is that people would come to do sacrifices in the temple, and they had to offer sheep and goats, and, and for the very poor, there was the doves. And so when at this time of the year, which was the Passover time, people would be coming from all over the known world and coming to Passover. They'd come there once a year, and they needed to make a sacrifice. And since they wouldn't bring a, an animal often when they traveled, or if they did, uh, maybe it wasn't quite right or it wasn't perfect because the animal had to be without spot, had to be without blemish, had to be the firstborn, and all of these different rules and regulations. And so here they were. And so the, to make it easy, they would, on the outside wall, like if you were outside of this, if this was a temple, uh, which it's clearly not, if there was a wall outside... And they would set up almost like a bazaar where you could buy your sheep and your goats and your cattle and your, your uh, pigeons and all kinds of things so that would, you could come buy it and come in and uh, make your sacrifice and all would be well in the world. Except what started to happen, I said, what if we made it a little bit more convenient? Instead of just having them out there, what if we had brought them right inside? Like in the foyer, to use that analogy. We'll bring them in there and it'll make it much easier for people. But here's what began to happen. How many of you have ever noticed, if you've ever traveled by air, once you get past security, something changes in the price structure? That bottle of water that was 98 cents at Fresh Street, you get into there and they're like, that'll be $9, please. You're like, what? It's just water. Because they got you. They know you won't go back because you don't want to get back in that line for a dollar. So you're going to pay the price. You're going to find a fountain or drink out of the tap, whatever it might be. And it's kind of what happened. Once they got people into the temple, people would come and say, I need to buy a little pigeon, just a few, just really, really cheap. So they say, hey, I, I got a deal for you. Just to make sure that your little cow or your pigeon won't get rejected, we are going to make it easy. Here, over here, you can buy a cow or a pigeon from that guy over there. And... Uh, It'll be good. And I guarantee that that will be okay. That that pigeon, that's what the, the religious leaders would say. I guarantee it'll be okay. It'll be acceptable. Except they'd go over there and they would offer, they'd buy their pigeon and the price would be, uh, the historians would tell us, up to 50 times what it was outside. So they begin to rip people off. And what was even worse is that the religious leaders were taking a cut of the pie. So injustice upon injustice upon injustice. A place in a space that was meant to be for, to meet God became a place of trafficking and uh, what was convenience became corruption. What became, to make it easier for people to connect with God, became this place where people were ripped off. Ripped off. What had once been unusual suddenly became usual. Oh, it's the way we do it. What had once become, what had once been abnormal became normal. What once had been a house of prayer became a den of thieves. And then Jesus comes into the scene 
And I don't know what you think of Jesus, like he just like walks around uh, with this smile on his face, never has any bad uh, things going on, which he didn't. But he also clearly had a high heart for people to meet, to meet God. So he comes into the room, and it says that he chases these guys out who are selling, like literally, get out, get out. Can you imagine that in church? Just I'm going to come do it right now. Like, get out, and start running through. You get out. You, you're stealing, and you're robbing people. Go on, get out of here. You're stealing and doing all that. And then he starts flipping over tables, kicking their chairs over, and you're like, whoa. Jesus, what happened to the love your enemies and, and be kind and all that kind of thing? But Jesus knew that if he didn't get rid of the thievery, that people would continue to be stolen from, people would continue to be destroyed, people would continue to be killed in their relationship with God. A space that was intended for God had become through little bit by little bit had become a place of a den of thieves. And what was intended to be a place of blessing instead became a place of thievery. Little by little, bit by bit, and he's illustrating, Jesus is, the ruthlessness that we must take against areas of compromise and areas of, of just uh, we fail to pay attention to where the enemy has gotten access to our lives. There's a ruthlessness that he shows that we, and I don't know about you, but every so often I take stock of my life in, in 2018, the, the, it's nothing special on, the, on God's calendar when it flips over, I don't believe, but it does give us time to stop and reflect. Am I comfortable with things I was not comfortable with at one time? Am I tolerating a way of life that I was not tolerating at one time? Do I allow things in me that I never used to. And Jesus challenges me, and he challenges you. Don't ever get comfortable with thieves and squatters in your life. Don't ever get comfortable with being ripped off. Don't ever get comfortable with the enemy taking what belongs to you. Sometimes, let something rise within us no more. I'm not going to continue to allow this to happen. I'm not going to continue to allow you to steal from my life, from my family, from my future, from my destiny, from my city, from my church. And there's something that rises within us, but if you permit it, if there are sometimes when you permit something, it will steal from you what God has promised for you. I can't permit disappointment to poison the well of my faith. Throw it out. I can't permit anxiety to stop me from praying. Throw it out. I can't permit that secret sin to destroy my fellowship with God. Throw it out. I can't permit my offense to destroy my marriage. Throw it out. And there comes a place and a time where Jesus has to get something out of us so he can put something into us. And there's spaces and places where we allow things that were intended for God little by little and happens almost imperceptibly, sometimes even from, with good intentions, where we make space and time for and the enemy fills in and vacuums in our lives. Convenience turning into corruption. And then he drives them out. Then he makes this declaration. No more thievery. This will be a house of prayer. And then, then this beautiful thing happens. It says, then the blind and the lame came to them and he healed them. What a contrast. What a contrast. And I think it gives us a picture of what Jesus is up to. It means that there were people present in the room, people present in the city, people present in Metro Vancouver that need an encounter with heaven, and they weren't getting it because a thief was stealing it. 
a thief was being tolerated. There was activity, but there was little change. Too often we settle for activity. What life gives us, we just, that's kind of what it is. Just got to live with it. We just survive. In that space where it should have been a place for an encounter with God, there was little power, there was little impact, a whole lot of noise and form, but little change. And it made me, as I read this a couple of weeks ago, it made me realize that I think there's things that we're not seeing yet that we're intended to see. I think that there's things that we're not doing, things that we're not stepping into because perhaps we tolerated a thief. And there has to be something that kind of like rises within us like Jesus. No, no more. Get out. You're not having access to my kids. You're not having access to my future. You're not having access to that anymore. And it's not just a statement of willpower. It's you're agreeing with heaven. I don't want an enemy, a thief that's going to steal, kill, and destroy in any space and place of my life. And Jesus models this that it's not that we would just put up with, but that we would go from being a place of thief where thievery is tolerated in our lives, in our homes, in our city, to be in a place where it's a house of prayer, a house of prayer where a place of prayer, a people of prayer. It uses the word a house of prayer, not even because God wants to move us from being a people who pray occasionally. He wants to move us to be a people not just with prayer times, but being a people of prayer. Because when it's a people of prayer, when it's a house of prayer, it's talking about it's the culture of your life. That our first response, prayer is not our last response, our, our last thing that we do, but it's our first response. Prayer is our first response because prayer connects us to God in a way that is absolutely powerful. And where the enemy has had ways and means in our life, God comes in and changes and changes and changes things. And he drives out these things, drives them out. And if you're a follower of Jesus, complacency is not for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, a low-impact existence, not for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know that you have the ability in prayer to go from being a victim to being a victor. From being a person who is overwhelmed to being a person that overwhelms the enemy. From being a person who has no hope to being a person who gives hope. From being a person who is overwhelmed by discouragement to being somebody that, in fact, becomes an encourager. That's what Jesus does. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The communion guys can get ready. The communion, if you're doing communion, thank you. Prayer times. Prayer releases me from where I am to where God created me to be. Prayer releases me from where I am to where God created me to be. And I, there's some beautiful things, and we're going to close out here in just a few minutes. When Jesus came in to the temple, came into that space, deals with the thief, then comes in, the blind and the lame, and then something, he heals them. See, because prayer releases the supernatural. Prayer is not just to comfort you so you feel a little better, Prayer is not just so that you can make it through the day. Prayer actually, prayer actually invites heaven to earth, the supernatural to become normal and natural for followers of Jesus.
the supernatural to become normal and natural for Jesus' followers. Prayer releases the supernatural because Jesus still heals. We had a long list this morning, but there's still more. Jesus still transforms lives, and we can make a long list, but there's still more. Even the name of our church, Horizon, you know what the thing about the horizon is? You can head for the horizon, and you will never reach it. You get to it, and you think, I rate it. And, look, and you, you keep looking, and there's more. And that's the way that God works. There is still more for your life. There's a supernatural that he wants to move. There's healings that he wants to release. There's restoration of families that only he can do. There's heart change that only he can do. There's body uh, physical diseases that only he can cause to go. It's prayer that shifts the atmosphere of your life. It's prayer that moves you out of the trap that you're in. It's prayer that heals marriages. It's prayer that breaks insecurity over you. It's prayer that releases love in your heart. It's prayer that moves a church forward. It's prayer that changes a city. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. I'm a guy who likes to do. But before I'm ever going to do, I have to be a man of prayer. Have to be a peop- we have to be a people of prayer. Prayer releases the supernatural, but prayer releases me from where I am to where God created me to be. And prayer releases vision. Notice that there could have been a lot of people that come to Jesus, but it said the blind and the lame. And here is what I pulled out of that today. There is the physical thing that God wants to do there. But there's also this. That as you take and make prayer part of your life, Jesus is going to restore some vision. Some of you have lost your vision. Just making it by, getting it, get up, go to work, come to church. Get up, go to work, come home. Get up, go to work, come home. Get up, go to work. And just living, living, living. There's more. We've seen salvation. We've seen baptism. We've seen healings. There's more. There's more on the horizon. God wants, could you get a little curious about what God wants to do in your life? Could you get a little curious about what God wants to do in your life and the worship team as they're coming? Vision is so important. The Bible says, lift up your eyes and look for the, harv- the fields are white unto harvest. Lift up your eyes to the mountains. Where does your help come from? The Lord. So we're always told our vision is so important. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision from God, you will live carelessly. But when you have a vision for your life, it begins to change the way that you live. It begins to direct your steps. God begins to show you where you're to go and lift up your eyes. And the Bible is always talking to us about this. It says, uh, you are, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, which God has stored up for those who love him. God has things, but he has revealed it to us by his spirit. Ephesians 3 and 20 says that, uh, that God who is in you to do incredibly more than you can ask, think, or even imagine. In other words, there is more for your life. God wants to release a fresh vision for 2019, that you don't just repeat 2018, but God has more for you in 2019. God has a fresh vision for your life. That if you are alive and you're breathing, it's not just to exist. But I, Jesus said, have come that you might have life and have it to the full, to the full, to the full, to the full. Some, I believe this morning, God's going to rip some spiritual blinders off your eyes. You're going to see things that you haven't seen before. God's going to begin to, as in this three weeks of prayer, rip off the blindness of discouragement, rip off the blindness of hurt, rip off the blindness of loss, rip off the blindness, things that have stolen and robbed your vision. You're going to move from survival to fullness. 
Prayer release is also strategy, not only where you're to go, but how to get there. God wants to direct your life. The Bible says that you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I'm praying that God is going to give you strategy for your future. God's going to give you strategy for what to do, not only show you where you're going to go, but how to get there. And that's the part where sometimes we don't wait. But God has a place for you to go, but he also has a way for you to get there. You see, the vision is talks about that's our why. And when we lose our why, we lose our way. And when we lose our way, our life gets into a place we don't ever want to go. But we don't pursue our way. We find our why, and it leads our way. It leads our way. Prayer releases strategy. I'm believing that God will give us access to spaces and places that you have no ability to be in. Some of you have dreamed of doing things, starting businesses. Ah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Some of you wanted to see things happen. God's going to show you how to get free in that area. God's going to show you how to stop the pillaging of the enemy. He's going to give you a strategy. I believe that. He's not just a God of general principles, although he is that. He also will give you specific strategies for your life where you're at, if you ask. I'm believing that God will give you fresh ways forward. Because a dream without a plan and a strategy will only become a nightmare. Jesus had a strategy for you. You were made to go places that you can't go without Jesus. You need Jesus. See, prayer releases me from where I am to where God created me to be. Prayer means you can go farther than you expected. Prayer means that you become more than your ex ever expected. Prayer means that you will do more than that teacher ever projected. In prayer, God opens doors that only he can open. In prayer, he closes doors that have allowed access to things that are hurting you that only he can close. In prayer, Jesus brings favor where you've given up hope for. God wants to move you into new spaces and new places that you don't even know how to get into. But on earth, as it is in heaven. See, God has more for you than you're currently experiencing. I can say that without a doubt. More than you're currently experiencing. He wants to show you how to move beyond the pain that you're currently walking in into the purpose that he created you for. There is more. Invite the communion guys to distribute the communion. In a moment, we're going to take communion. Communion is a time where we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. See, the Bible says that we were sinners separated from God, and I'm going to follow that up in a moment, but communion elements, the, the, the grape juice that represents the, the blood of Jesus. Just begin to distribute them right away. two simple elements represent what Jesus did at the cross. Our 
Sin has separated us from God. But God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. And the Bible says that he willingly gave of his body and sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God. And, and the wonderful thing is, is that his blood paid the price for our sin, but his body rose again to free us forever from the fear of death and reconcile us forever to God. That's the power of what God did. The Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till you were good enough to die for you. While we were yet sinners, while we were far from God, while we didn't really know our way back to God, God came to us. God came to the humanity and said, I'm making a way to reconcile you to me. His initiative, our benefit. And what these two elements represent is a covenant. They represent a covenant between God and man where God says, everything I have, I give to you. And everything you have, you give to me. I am for you. In every space and place of your life, I am for you. When you make Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, everything in your life begins to shift. Everything begins to shift. You have access to heaven. It's not what was or one day will be. Yes, there will be a one day, but Jesus is for our every day. Romans 10, 9 and 10 talks about it. And I, I do ABC just to help us remember it. Simple as this. We acknowledge if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to be a follower of Jesus, begins with this. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. That's A. B, I believe that Jesus died and paid the price for my sin. And C, I confess that he is the Lord of my life. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. B, I believe that Jesus died and paid the price for me. And C, I confess that he is the Lord of my life. And, and when you do that, you pray that prayer in however God's moving in your heart. And I believe God's moving in hearts right now. It's this simple thing that we pass from death to life. We pass from being foreigners far, far from God to being family with God. In a moment, as we move into it, I'm just going to ask you to ask this question of Jesus. Well, first of all, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, just to pray it with me. We did this on Christmas Eve. We'll do it from time to time. But particularly here as we take communion, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I believe that you came to die and rise again to reconcile me to God. I confess that I need a Savior. I invite you to be the forgiver and leader of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, and I, I know that there were some of you, and you believe, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. In other words, God's taking care of your one day, but also it's coming to your every day. He wants to change your life. But as we move forward in this part, I just want you to ask one question. What, what have you tolerated long enough? What's got to go? 
as we step into 2018, what's got to go? And just take a moment and ask Jesus that. Could be discouragement, could be addiction issue, could be pain, it could be whatever is stealing from your life right now. And Jesus, I give you permission to root it out of my life, whatever it takes. Jesus, I give you permission to root it out of my life. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm throwing out the thief. I give you permission to root it out of my life. You know, there was a time for me when I didn't even know what it was, but I felt I, I couldn't move forward in many areas of my life. And I just began to pray a prayer as simple as, Jesus, do whatever you need to do from the inside so that I can be what you've called me to be. And God has taken me into spaces and places that I could never have dreamed of. He's brought healing. He's brought transformation. There's still a work in progress. And you can say amen to that. That's first. Maybe your prayer is you need fresh vision. Jesus, release new vision for this year. Remove every blinder in my life. Just be in an attitude of prayer right now. Just not looking around. Need fresh vision. Lord, thank you that you're releasing vision right now. That retirement doesn't re mean I'm done. That means I need revisioned. Or maybe you're in a place in a space where you need a new strategy. You don't even know how to go. God's given you a little bit of a picture of what to do, but... Lord, I need a new strategy. I, I don't know how to get out of the mess that I'm in, the space that I'm in. I'm willing, but I need a new strategy. Take the, the piece of cracker that represents the body of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that your body, that you took, as, as the scriptures say, that you took the whipping and the beating and the death so that we wouldn't have to that you paid the price for us. And we thank you that you gave your body willingly to reconcile us to God. In Jesus' name, let's take that. And secondly, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood shed for us. This represents your blood, your blood that paid the price for our sin, that washed our, us clean before you, that enabled us to be reconciled to God that no longer foreigners, but family. No longer outsiders, but insiders because of the blood of Jesus. That when we pray, you hear, you answer, you move on our behalf. In Jesus' name, thank you for your blood.